Drums, please. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 45 of the Get Around Podcast. The summer is over. The fall sports season has officially arrived as football practice opened on Monday. Area teams all around the state uh, likely hit the practice field this morning for the first of two practice sessions would be my guess. Um, More cases than not. And uh, yours truly, Brett Summers, James Cook here in studio, Jake Atnip. We were all out of camp today uh, visiting the three Traverse City schools uh, on, on the first day. I was at Traverse City Central, Jake was at Traverse City West, and James, uh, for the evening practice tonight, was at Thoroughby Field for Traverse City St. Francis. Uh, in, our, in the Pulse this week, we'll get into a little bit of a report from each of those three camps, as well as give some bold predictions for the upcoming football season. We have Traverse City St. Francis quarterback Danny Passanel. He's going to join the get-around later this evening. We've got a good interview with him, and... We aren't going to do any more retroactive Hall of Fames, so we're taking a break from that this week. After the interview, we'll jump right into the trifecta and talk about the best opening days, not necessarily on the high school level. I think it maybe is unanimous that high school football opening is the the biggest. It has to be. Most most hyped. School starts. It's like the first week of school. You know, you got two or three days of actual class before you get your first football game in. We'll talk about it later. But I did want to mention, it's nice to have you guys both back in the studio. It's been a while since It has all, been. It's been a while since all three of us were in here. I uh, wasn't sure James was still alive, to be honest with you. <laughs> we, for those who don't know, we haven't seen James in, I think it was 21 calendar days. He snuck in here on Saturday and scared the crap out of me because I didn't know if he was here or gone. Um, but it's good to have him back. I know he had a nice, long, wonderful vacation. Got to use that vacation time before the, the hectic time of year comes around. Like we said, summer's over. It's time to get back to work. That's right. We are off and rolling, just like all the area football teams. Of course, other sports begin practice on Wednesday uh, of this week. But before we get into our camp reports from today, uh, I just kind of wanted to ask the uh, question of you guys, and you know, I'll give my take on it as well. But just you know, what did what did the opening of the high school football season mean to you, James? You didn't. You didn't play high school football, so it maybe means little or nothing or less, perhaps, than opening day of wrestling season. Well, it means a lot now, but yeah, when I was in high school, it didn't mean a whole lot. But, you know, yeah, it was high school, it was wrestling season that meant the, the most for me. But that was, wrestling was a, a different animal because you had to monitor your weight and stuff, too. So the first day of camp meant the first day of having to cut weight, too. So that was pretty dreaded for you, I would assume. Probably, yeah. You're you're kind of like just going in. You you step yeah. on the scales and they're sliding the thing over on the old fashioned scale. And I'm mean, supposed uh, to be at 103 like, and I weigh 121. This is not going to be a fun fun winter time. <laughs> kind of had that happen one year. Yeah, I, I had one year where uh, we had this kid that was coming up from middle school who was supposed to be a really good freshman, and our coach is like, "Oh, hey, you're going to be able to move up from 103 to 112, which is kind of more your natural weight." And I was like, oh, cool. So I don't have to, like, watch my weight during the off season. And uh, so I, I show up at, like, I don't know, 122, 124, something like that. I'm like, oh, I'll cut 12 pounds. is not going to be a problem at all. And so Barry, this other kid, is supposed to be the 103-pounder, shows up at, like, 135. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the coach is like, well, I'm going to need to cut back down to 103. Yeah, the whole and 20 I was like, pounds. What? So you hate Barry to this day, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, once I once I made it down to 103, that, that by the time we got to the first match of the season, I didn't make it. I missed it by an eighth of a pound in the first or first tournament. So those first three weeks were <clears throat> absolute H E double hockey sticks. Yeah, pretty much just running and eating ramen noodles. Garbage bags over the body. I never four did that. Of sweatpants. I never did that. There was other guys on the team that did that, but I never did the garbage bag thing. Uh, I I. I honestly might pass out and die if I ran around with garbage bags on my body. We did, we did lemon drops. Well, Jake, you did play football. Yes, You're for the majority the, of my life. By the lemon drop I do not know what a lemon drop is for Just to life. make you spit. If you put lemon drops in your mouth and it makes your mouth salivate and you just spit the spit out. You can lose about a pound an hour that doing that. 
throw some dip in my mouth and do call it a day. Um, uh, um, but what what uh, you know what did you look forward to most with the first day of, of football camp? And you know, I started football when I was six or seven years old. I was really young, and from the first time that I remember going back to football camp every summer, it was like a reuniting of all your friends because when you when you become part of a football team, it's more of a family. So it's not just like, oh, uh, you know, you get to see everybody that you go back to school with or anything like that, especially if you play outside of sanctioned, you know what I'm saying, outside of school if you're younger. Uh, you see a lot of the people you haven't seen. So it was always more of a, uh, you know, coming together. But once you get into high school, uh, I think most, most kids can pretty much uh, sympathize with this, that the, the football season doesn't really stop. As soon as the school year ends in June, there's already workouts. There's already people in the gym. There's already people uh, lifting weights. So I'm not sure that it, uh, an opening day of practice means as much as the first game because that first game is just where you know you get to actually see and gauge your own team, and that's when you go out and get to knock some heads. The first day of pads might even be a little bit more exciting than the first day of just camp. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I mean, obviously I always looked forward to football practice in high school, but probably one of my best – slash worst memories of the first day of football practice was the first year that I got to play Pop Warner football. And I can't remember if it was fourth or fifth grade, but I mean, at that age, I don't know how many kids are thinking about, oh, like I should be running in the off season and be getting in shape or oh, whatever. Just about nobody. I mean, that's like, oh, we're, we're just going to go, you know, play backyard recess football with yeah. my buddies only wear pads this time. Right. So I remember the first day of practice. I don't remember if you could if they could pad you up in Pop Warner on the first day or not. But I just remember it was like a lot of sit-ups and push-ups and running and whatever. And I literally couldn't get off the, cu- off the couch or out of, out of bed the next day. That might be the most sore I've ever been in my entire life. The very first time. And, yeah, and I mean, yeah, like I said, fourth or fifth grade, and I, I couldn't bring myself to physically move. It was like... I think I'd probably ask my mom to bring my cereal to my bedroom because <laughs> in the morning because I just I couldn't I couldn't walk I couldn't barely raise my arm out of bed and yeah and I know um, even just today you know some of the freshmen who have never played football before or had never even experienced the varsity football practice or even just the high school football practice they get run ragged I remember my first actual high school practice. I think we might have ran like four miles. We were on the track most of the practice. They didn't even keep us on the field. They're like, we're just going to keep on running. And definitely, that, that's something that's going to kill you at the beginning of the season. But as the football coaches always say, how are you going to react in the fourth quarter when you're that exhausted, huh? Yep, that's exactly right. The uh, you know That first day you start the, I don't know how many miles of wind sprints you do at the end of practice. And, I mean, basically you just try to survive and not, not uh, die. Although you know, when I was out at Central today, looked like a lot of those kids took their off-season training pretty seriously because, I mean, they were, I mean, they were already running running plays today uh, out there, seven on seven formats and stuff like that. Um, so was St. Francis. So it was too. impressive. Yeah, yeah. So was St. Francis. It was one thing that was interesting at St. Francis was uh, they they did their practice out at Thurlby. So, it, you know, it's hot because it's on the artificial turf and everything. But they had the team split up into four groups, and then they had four stations, and they, each one of those a different drill. And they had it split up into freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And you can just see the size difference. The, well, the difference in the groups and then and how efficiently they ran the drills because the <laughs> seniors and juniors had all done them before and everything, and they just were like, okay, this, we're doing this one? Okay. And then, and then you just do it and everything. Whereas the freshmen and the sophomores are like lacking need, the muscle memory a little bit. Need a little instruction on you know how to do the the what is it they call it the the not monkey crawl but the oh the bear crawl where they the three well, like guys a shuttle three oh guys the log roll yeah log roll yeah kind of yeah Saint Francis called it something takes, else that takes a little bit of practice I, I I won't I won't say that I got it my first time. But then again, we were in, I was in six You only got to worry when the, you know, when the big guys are jumping over Oh, you. yeah, because they're not going to make it very far. You got to roll a little bit to the left when they're going over <laughs> to the right. <laughs> well, the moral of today's story is that it's here. It's finally here. Football is Jake, back. Jake, like you said, we're getting back to work. Football is back, which almost everybody's pumped about. I mean, I know there are some out there that don't get as excited as we do, but I mean, we we're happy it's here. The Get Around Podcast is happy that it's here. We're, of course, excited for the other sports that are going to be coming up in, in the next couple of days. 
But, uh, you know, football is certainly something for the three of us, I think, that, you know, helps us get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, I know. It keeps a big smile <laughs> on our face. Except for the next morning after your first Pop Warner practice. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. See, now that I'm done practicing, it really <laughs> wants me to get up in the morning. Especially when, like, the Big Ten schedules those 11 o'clock games on Saturday. It's a lot of fun. Well, Jake, I wanted to start with you as we put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the pulse. What did you take away from Traverse City West's practice today? Obviously, Greg Vaughn, his first year coaching the Titans after Tim Moore returns to Kingsley. The camp itself is a little bit different because years past, they've always started off going to Clare rather than yep. opening the first day of practice at West. What uh, what did you see out there, What and what can we expect in your, uh, your story uh, in tomorrow's print edition, Tuesday, August 7th. Tuesday, August 7th, uh, after you get done listening to this podcast. If it is Tuesday, pick up a Record Eagle newspaper. If it's beyond Tuesday, go back, check it out. We'll have, uh, we'll have photos and stories from all three camps. And as I mentioned, we'll get into the other sports and other football camps here as the month progresses. But go ahead, Jake. As, as uh, I went out to Traverse City West today, they did make some changes. Uh, Vaughn. Greg Vaughn has been the assistant over there for the previous three years um, after coming over from St. Francis, and this year he stepped into the um, head coaching role, and he's, you know, really pumped that he knows the guys and the, the team themselves are really, really comfortable already with Coach Vaughn because they've had him around, they've had him running stuff for the last few years, but uh, the outlook is really, really positive for them. Uh, they... Are, they are the defending Big North Conference exactly, champs. Exactly, exactly. They had they had one of their better years, and they, they think that they have a good foundation in order to build upon. Uh, they got their uh, third-year re- returning starter quarterback, or two-and-a-half with Sam DeKuyper. And, you know, Coach Vaughn told me that they are making changes, and that's something that you saw in the camp today. Like you mentioned, they normally go down to Claire for the varsity does at least, for the first week of camp where they're not on pads so they can go down and do their own thing. But uh, Coach Vaughn has kind of made a point to make this an entire program type of deal. He doesn't want to separate varsity from freshmen because he wants the freshmen to know exactly what is expected of the varsity players. He wants them to know the calls. He wants them to know the hand signals. He wants them to know the plays. So in, in the case of anything that needed to happen, everybody's ready from top to bottom the entire program. So that was one thing I really took away from it, especially because it was such a radical change from what they did in previous years. Um, but... Another part is he said that one of the bigger changes from his point of view is that he's going to be changing their offense a little bit. They're going to be sticking with their normal power run, uh, you know, wing T, three-back formation, but he wants to change it up. He wants to make sure that they have their basic offense down, and he said he's even talking about going into a shotgun, into a spread formation for uh, certain times and certain plays, and that's something that you normally wouldn't see out of West uh, with, you know, what you guys have told me over the past is, Lots of handoffs and, you know, short throws that make sure that they're getting the yardage that they need. But I think Vaughn might take a few more chances this year uh, in order to make sure Traverse City West gets out of their district because that's one thing that I heard them talking about already on day one, screaming, you know, you need 13 games to get to Ford Field. We have to get out of districts. Um, you know, I, they said they've never won a district before, I believe, and you know, that, that's their goal this year is they're not even just looking at districts. They're looking past that because they feel they've lost a lot of key guys with Ryan Hayes and people like that on their offensive-defensive line, but they feel that they have the speed and the core talent or skill players to be able to make a better run into the playoffs this year. I think it will be interesting to, to keep an eye on the Titans and if they're able to get off to a fast start this year. Uh, in part because they're coming off that championship season, but also because you know, Traverse City Central feels like they left a lot on the table last year. We had quarterback Tobin Schwanke on the podcast last week, and he talked about how you know every day before practice they see the fact that 2017 is not on the banner after Central had won the previous two Big North Conference titles, and I think that has not sat well with the Trojans over the offseason, and they've been putting in the work to try to remedy that. And he also talked about their 2-2 two and two start last year, sort of slowing the momentum, at least as far as the buzz around the program, after how wildly successful uh, head coach Eric Sugars was in his first two years. He's now, of course, in his fourth year. Central has a third-year starting quarterback of their own in Schwanke coming back, just like West, and 
as we'll hear from James, I'm sure, uh, at St. Francis as well. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it's going to be interesting to see who handles expectations, who comes more prepared, Central or West, or, or maybe there will be a bit of a surprise in the Big North Conference. I mean, I think at the moment, you know, looking at it, it would seem like Central may be the favorite, even though West is the Defend, def- defending yeah. champs. But, uh, you know, one, one thing that I did want to mention is that Central-West game um, is week four. Uh, yeah, the Patriot game is yep. a week later than it has been yep. in years past. So that's one thing that uh, Vaughn talked to me about and said that he's actually really excited slash nervous because they have a tough schedule before they get to meet Central. You know, they start off uh, – the year with Midland, and, you know, that's a, that's a big school. They got some big kids down there, uh, big boys. And uh, he told me as long as they can come out and get a good start to the season, they'd like their chances in that Patriot game because they, they know they have what it takes to get past Central. Well, they, they did do that last year. They got past Central the first time in the, in the Patriot game, and then, uh, of course, Central enacted revenge come playoff time to win that district championship that, that West is still searching for. And, you know, if – Numbers stay similar, you know, to the last two years. Do we get a third postseason meeting between Central and West? And then, of course, depending on how first round, second round go, what the matchups are. But that's uh, that's been become quite a big deal here the last couple of years. Uh, you know, getting that round two of Central versus West, which for virtually the first two decades of the schools existing. Well, not virtually. It, it didn't it ever never happened. happened. Yeah. So I, I think it's something people are kind of getting used to and they're excited about because it just means another big game in town for people to pack thoroughly for. Um, you know, obviously we're getting a little ahead of ourselves looking forward to, to postseason when the first day of practice just happened. But there's certainly enough intrigue surrounding this season that, you know, that's sort of helping build that excitement that we're feeling now about the season just a couple more things from my uh, time at Central today, visiting the Trojans camp. Um, I mean, it looked extremely efficient. You know, I've gotten used to seeing Coach Sugars. He's now in his fourth year. I've gotten used to seeing Coach Sugars' practices, and they're always very tightly run, and uh, everybody's on a schedule. Everybody's getting in what they need to, and, you know, they're always getting after guys, making sure the hustle's there, making sure the focus is there. And so I wasn't expecting anything less than that today, but you know, just the fact, uh, the little bit that I saw of seven-on-sevens and full team drills, I mean, I, I know that I was not playing on a team that was of the level of Central when I was in high school, but everything that they were doing on day one uh, today was, was pretty impressive in terms of covering the playbook and, and uh, being ready. You know, they, they talked about uh, how they know they're nowhere near close to being a championship team right now, but every coach does say that when the season gets started and, you know, gives their players something to build on. But, you know, from what I saw, uh, it it looks like that offense at the very least should be ready to roll and, and pick up where they left off after a pretty successful last last season. James, you just returned from Thurlby Field not too long ago. The Gladiators had the evening practice. What were a couple of your takeaways from that visit? Yeah, they're just doing one long practice each day, uh, one big long four-hour practice instead of splitting it up into two days. Um, so I got there about 5 o'clock. They started at 4. Um, but uh, I think it was about 5.18 that, the, that all the players started celebrating because I think they had run their first perfect play where, where nothing went wrong. And, uh, but I don't know how long, they, if, how long they've been doing plays or anything like that. But, I mean, uh, you know, so they were already kind of into – into running plays that soon in the first practice, and and had the first had a play where everybody did everything right, and then they had a whole a couple of them, you know, and like I said, they were rotating the the classes in and and stuff too. So, um, you know, everything looked pretty efficient. Uh, you know, they have a, a large group of seniors back from this year's team. I mean, they lost some pretty good contributors from last year, so, and some really good players, including you know Joey Mazlakovich, guys like that, Teddy Pritchard, um, but. But they, uh, I think they have seven starters back on offense, seven starters back on defense. And, you know, I think they're uh, another team. I mean, they say this every year at St. Francis, but it's, you know, state finals are bust kind of, and they're, they're saying it again. Yeah, that's not really a surprise to hear that coming from the Gladiators. And 
Seven and seven on both sides of the ball is a good place to start. I think uh, Coach Sugars told me that Central's at five and five. So um, I don't know if you happen to get what where not, West not is a quite, at. Not a quite number. Um, but like I said, they weren't doing as much on the play side lining up, and they were doing more of making sure everybody was comfortable running through everything. Um, but he did tell me, you know, they do have at least three or four guys on the offensive line uh, who are coming back to protect the Kuiper. Both of his tackles are going to be back. Um, including uh, Andy Chulette, um, who I spoke to today, and uh, he's the left tackle over there blindside. And he was telling me uh, there is a large group of seniors who have been leading this team. So even if they weren't starters on last year's Big North Conference team, they've been around the team and they know what's going on on the Titans side. As I mentioned before, we've got St. Francis quarterback Danny Passanel joining us uh, here shortly. I kind of gave you the heads up that that was going on, James. So did you talk to Danny at practice today, or or who'd you who'd you take since you maybe knew you didn't need the quarterback? Yeah, I knew I didn't didn't really need to talk to Danny. So I told uh, Josh when I went to him, I'm like, yeah, I don't really need to talk to, to Danny today. So I'll, I'll I'll grab a couple other players. I talked to Artie Dummers and uh, Spencer Hathaway. Since I usually like in the season previews, I like talking to a lineman. Defensive back leader in Dutmers. <clears throat> yeah, he's going to play a lot of running back this year, too. Okay. Um, as well. But, yeah, he's an you know, all-state defensive back and uh, – or all-state type defensive back. And, uh, and you know, Hathaway is going to be one of the big guys on their offensive line at guard uh, for them. So uh, those will be two of their, their big senior leaders. But they, they have – like I said, they have a whole lot of seniors. I think they have something like 20 seniors on that team, which is, which is a lot for a Division six seven program. Yeah, Central's got a pretty good uh, group, too. I, I don't have it right on hand, the number of seniors that they have, but I spoke with uh, seniors Jack Sherwin, uh, caught Tobin Schwanke again uh, because that was who uh, Harrison grabbed, Harrison Beebe of 7-4 and four for his on-camera interview. He let the three, the three guys that Coach Sugar sent fight for the camera time, and that basically meant Jack and, and offensive tackle Jason Ochoa to say, no, Tobin, go ahead. You can have the TV. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> you know, three, three seniors, all those guys, uh, all going to play very different but key roles in central season. Ochoa's a offensive tackle, probably play a little defensive line as well. Sherwin, people got used to seeing him in the backfield last year as a defensive end and outside linebacker. Uh, but they m- are probably going to see him a little bit more in a – Receiving type role as a tight end, uh, he committed to Western Michigan during the off season, and they've already penciled him in as a tight end. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of offensive weapon he can be. You know, he wasn't he wasn't really used that way for Central a year ago. They had Bowen Bruner at the tight end spot, who was kind of a beast in his own right. And uh, you know, Coach Sugar said they're going to run Sherwin out of the H back, the tight end. Uh, you know, fullback maybe, a little bit of running back all over the place. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But those are the three guys I talked to. And like I said at the top, make sure you check out Tuesday's Record Eagle for coverage from all three Traverse City camps, Central, West, and St. Francis. And uh, so what are your bold predictions? That's what I want to know. That, that's all I've been waiting for. Jake, this was my question. I, I know, wrote up the I've budget, been, I've been so waiting I don't have to go first. I, I can't go first. I think the new guy who doesn't, I can't, I don't who doesn't know, know I, has I, to go first. Come on, give me your bold prediction. Well, the idea behind this was to perhaps get away a little bit from the Traverse City Schools uh, just because we had enough detail about them today. We include a, a little bit... Uh, outside of them and and some of the other schools who got started today. And just based off of some of the pieces that I know they have coming back. All right, my bold prediction for the season uh, is that Central Lake will play for another state championship this year in eight-man. Of course, they won it last year in their first season as an eight-man program. And I think that they can do it again. I think they're going to be able to ride the momentum that they picked up on that ride, obviously coming off an undefeated season. I think the thing that makes this a bold prediction is the fact that they don't have quarterback Gavin Mortensen coming back. He graduated after a stellar season, but they are returning their two stud running backs in Grant Papinaw and Skylar Spangler. 
Papineau ran for over 1,600 yards and 20 touchdowns last year, never fumbled. He was he played a key role in the defense as well. And then Skyler Spangler, uh, the other half of that duo, he scored 24 touchdowns himself and ran for over 1,400 yards. So those two guys had over 3,000 yards of rushing offense between the two of them. And you know if they can find a guy to fill in for Mortensen to uh, hand those to the ball and occasionally make a pass – uh, down the field, you know, I think they've got some of the very key pieces that they need to at least give a competitive shot to their title defense. But I like I like what they did last year under Rob Hickey, and like I said, I think they can I think they can roll that momentum. James, what's your bold and vigorous prediction? Um, I think that you'll see one of the many teams that uh, that have new coaches make a nice run this year. I mean, we've got new coaches at Brethren, Gaylord, Grayling, Kalkaska, Kingsley, Manton, Sutton's Bay, and Traverse City West, which we've kind of already covered. But, uh, you know, I think that you'll see a couple of those teams, I think, that will have success kind of right away with new coaches. I mean, last year was Rob Hickey's first year back at Central Lake after after taking a few years off. So I think, you know, you got some some programs that have had a lot of success in the past, like Kingsley is getting Tim Wooer back, you know, Kalkaska, you know, Josh Bigby has pretty good credentials to follow in the success that Jeremy Wilkinson has had there. You know, you've got some of the the eight man schools like Brethren, you know, with JJ Randall there now who's been around there before. He's coached it. He's coached basketball and, and other sports there, so he, he knows the area. The guy who's taken over in uh, Grayling, Eric Tunney, is uh, a longtime assistant there under Tim Sanchez, so I don't think that they'll they'll skip a beat really there either. Jake, I know you weren't here for last football season, so maybe that makes you prime for a bold prediction because you won't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Just a really hot take. <laughs> just a really hot take. You should just predict who's going to be fired. No, right? Which coach? I'm is sure be? someone would appreciate that. <laughs> right. Whoever you whoever you decide to name. I could just name, I don't even know the coaches' names all of them. You just yet, want to so draw just, them out of a hat? Right, just pull one out. No, um, you guys are doing positive predictions. What if I do a negative bold prediction? But this is bold because it probably head. won't happen. <laughs> this is bold because I'm hoping it doesn't happen. But after the loss of Cade Peterson, Glenn Lake is going to take a major step back and miss the playoffs. It's possible. I mean, I, you know, I think that they'll, uh, they'll definitely miss Cade Peterson. I mean, oh, of course. He, not only is a great thrower, but also is a very good runner for them at quarterback. But uh, it'll be interesting to see who steps in at quarterback this year. I mean, is it out of the question? No. I mean, you know, they also lost a lot in addition to Kate Peterson, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of big players like Nick Apsey and stuff that are going to be hard to, I mean, to the, replace. The, the last two years have been full of guys difficult to replace, and I think they've still done a great job. Peterson and Apsey being in the latter class certainly eased the transition from a senior class that was loaded in mm-hmm. in 2016. Yeah, and I mean, they've made mm-hmm. the playoffs five out of the last six years. Uh, had three, nine or more win seasons. So, I mean, it would be a pretty big step back if they missed the playoffs after two consecutive years, especially one with 11 wins and moving pretty deep into the playoffs. Well, Glenn Lake, you heard it. Jake Atnip said you're not going to make the playoffs. So Remember, it's a hot take, guys. <laughs> prove me wrong. If he's not your, you know, if you don't, if you don't like it, make sure you call him. Don't call James or myself. We'll send Jake to that week one game when Glen Lake plays New Lothrop. Oh, yeah. In week one at home. <laughs> Jerry Angers might give Jake the uh, Nick Apsey treatment. What's that? Well, Nick Apsey was a great player for, for Glen Lake, uh, but... Uh, there were multiple instances where maybe they just didn't quite see eye to eye. James saw a couple of them firsthand. Jerry, yeah. from the situation. Jerry, Jerry chasing uh, Nick down the sideline, yelling at him to stop showboating, or yeah, you know, or not wanting us to interview Nick after games because he's going to say something. <clears throat> I don't know. Nothing just, actually. Just not to give him more know. attention. I don't than know. He, needed, he would just always, He would just. Uh, yeah, he would just. You know, we would go up to him and be like, "Hey, you, you know." Can I grab a player or two? And you just always... Not Nick. You wouldn't say that. <laughs> Not Nick. You wouldn't say Those that. Kids. It would just be, you know, hey, 
grab somebody else. Nothing but, actually serious. It just was funny the relationship. Yeah. Well, I hope I don't get happen. ran out of Glen Lake. Okay, that'll that'll be nice. I hope I can have a nice genuine football time on a Friday night if I go down there. Well, you should have thought about that before this, Jake. Hey, I told everybody <laughs> this. This is what I was trying to tell you. A bold prediction is just that. It's bold. It's something that. Probably won't happen. But oh, that's all right. You're uh, you're showcasing your intestinal fortitude here. Yeah. With the Glen Lake and Maple City community. Yeah, trying my best. Glen Lake does have a very tough schedule too. Yeah, I was looking I mean, at it. They start off with New Lothrop. Mm-hmm. Second week at St. Francis, or St. Francis at home. I'm sorry. Then they have Mancelona. Then Frankfurt on the road. Gladstone, Elk Rapids, Kingsley is going to be pretty decent. Charlevoix and Grayling. I mean, but that first. First few games is not going to be first a good four weeks, start to the season. First four weeks of the season is pretty grueling, and then, they are know, cert- then you got to get past the rest of those teams, too. Yeah, they're certainly going to be an interesting team to keep an eye on just because of all the success that they've had in the past. If if they're able to keep that rolling as you know the, the key players from that state finals run two years ago and then another playoff run last year have kind of finally exited uh, the high school. I, I would see Glen Lake making the playoffs. If I, had to, if I had to pick whether they get in the playoffs or not, I would say that they get in. Yeah. But, you know, they got that tough schedule. I mean, you got three of your first four games. Yeah, you only need six are games wins. That are, are games that are not ones that you're assured of winning. You only need six wins, but six doesn't come easy, like you said. As I mentioned before, St. Francis quarterback Danny Passanat joined us after practice on Monday. We'll go ahead and give that interview a listen now. I'd like to welcome in to the Get Around Podcast studio, Trevor City St. Francis senior quarterback, Danny Passanel. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks Co- for having me. Yeah, coming in straight from practice. Yep. First uh, first day for everybody hitting the field around the state today. How'd, how'd practice go? Uh, first day of practice went great. Um, uh, we've had uh, practice all summer, and uh, all the guys who've been working and couldn't make it because of the time but have been still putting in work on their own. Everyone's back together as a team, so it's great. How are you feeling coming into the year? Because last year, I know you were—I mean, you were doing everything you could to get on the field as those last weeks ticked by. After you had a little bit of an injury, you feel like you're healthy and 100 percent going in this year. Yeah, I'm real excited uh, just to be back at 100 percent and playing with my brothers again. Uh, it should be a—we should have a really great team and uh, very senior-laden, and we'll be very well, very good. Yeah, we, we talked about it uh, earlier in the podcast, just about how expectations are probably going to be pretty high for this group. How high are those expectations, and do you feel the pressure of them at all? Uh, you know, every, every year uh, St. Francis always has a high expectation of championship, state championship or bust. So uh, we felt it every year, even, even JV, it's 9-0 and or bust, so... Uh, we, we know how to live with the pressure and handle it, but we enjoy playing with the target on our back and uh, kind of getting everyone's best week in and week out. So what's got you most excited about this group coming back in, in your final go as a gladiator? Uh, like I said, uh, we're very senior-laden. Um, just a bunch of guys we've been playing together since fifth grade, fourth grade, and then there's some juniors that will help us a lot too, so... How much are you looking forward to the uh, the Grayling game this year and hopefully playing the whole time than that one? Right, right. Uh, I haven't really thought uh, too much ahead in the past Marquette, but um, to make it the whole season would be great, especially senior year. My season could be done week one, yeah. so it's just reality. How, how disappointing was that for you last year? I mean, uh, you know, what exactly happened on that, on that play against Grayling where you, you broke your collarbone, and, and what was your reaction to it? Uh, well, I've never had like a significant injury or anything or broken bone. So at first I thought I just bruised my shoulder and, uh, so I, I was down on the one I thought I was in, but, but I was down on the one. So, um, you'll argue with that ref right, any, any right. day of the week. <laughs> right. So, uh, so down on the one yard line and then, um, I was kind of getting up and I, uh, felt my shoulder and I was like, couldn't move it full range of motion. I went over to the sideline, uh, just tried to tough it out. Thought it was just a bruise or something. Uh, took one more play. I think I just gave it to Joey, and he scored. And then um, 
I just kind of put my arm on my collarbone. I just felt a bump, and I just said, I need to get this checked out. And So, so you, you kind of had your Kobe Bryant moment, you know, shooting uh, free throws with, a, with an Achilles tear. You, you had the broken collarbone. You stayed out there till your team scored the touchdown, and then you took care of it. A little bit, but <laughs> all I had to do was give it to Joey, and he did the rest. So, so. How much uh, or how hard was it for you in those games between when you hurt your shoulder and when you were able to come back? Uh, to sit there on the sidelines. I know I know you were still quite involved with the team and on the sidelines you were always, you know, there on the sidelines and kind of coaching other people and telling them what to do and firing the team up and stuff like that. But how disappointing was it that you had to to sit out that long? Yeah, it was it was really tough to um just take a back seat and kind of look at the game uh and just stay mentally ready uh but not be able to physically compete and um I think just not being able to compete was the biggest thing. And then uh, seeing someone else uh, do my job, but which was great. Dylan did a great. Dylan McArdle did a great job. Um, took the leadership at quarterback and uh, took us all the way to semis last year. So, did did that experience provide a benefit going into this year, though? Maybe as far as you know, work ethic before your first year or before your last year, or just you know things that you knew you needed to work on uh, during your last season. I've always heard from upperclassmen uh, that the season could be over right now if you injure something and you're out the rest of the year and your high school football career could be over. So I really took that to heart and just uh, decided to put every ounce of effort that I have into every single play, every single second. So how how determined were you to, to come back and, uh, and when, when the, you know, you probably knew that you had to, the team had to make it a certain distance in the playoffs for you to be able to come back. How, how much extra motivation did that give you um, in those those playoff games where you were sitting on the sideline to, to cheer those guys on and say, you know, hey, you guys got to win another game or two here, and then I, can, uh, then I can get back in the field? Yeah, I was counting down the weeks for sure. Um, it was really close. Uh, Dr. Kerr got me ready to go. Um, I was able to come out. Uh, still wasn't 100%, so if uh, one little uh, – wrong wrong fall would have done it again and maybe surgery so um but I was I was I really wanted to come back and just be there for the team and it was really hard to sit on the sideline and uh no uh maybe if I did this or if I was out there maybe that would have happened but but you can't you can't look at what if I was there it's it's the now so hmm. how, how different was that game um, against Ithaca where, I mean, you're, you're a running quarterback. You're a quarterback who likes to take off and run. Mm-hmm. And in that game, it was pretty obvious that you were instructed not to run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, hard, how hard was that, um, just playing a game like that, where something that you normally instinctually do so much, mm-hmm. you kind of had to shy away from? Yeah, it's definitely difficult when you're limited to what you can do. And uh, I'd say taking away one of the bigger aspects of my game is um, – it's tough on me, tough on the team, but uh, we did we we did what we could have done to try and win that game. So last week's guest, uh, Traverse City Central quarterback Tobin Schwanke, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that episode, but he talked about how you guys ha- kind of have a friendship uh, off the field, and you don't have to face off against one another mm-hmm. during the regular season. Right. Uh, w- describe that relationship, what that's like, and I mean, you guys are both three-year starters now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, me, Tobin, and Sam DeKuyper from West. Um, it's kind of unique, all three quarterbacks going into their third year. Um, played with Sam and Tobin, AAU, I think, fifth grade, sixth grade. So we've been buds ever since. And um, I just remember Tobin was one of the first ones to contact me after he heard about my uh, collarbone and just said, hang in there and get back, come back stronger than ever. So that was great to hear from him. And then... Uh, Sam I've been playing baseball with for three years now. So, What do you think football in Traverse City is going to be like this year? I mean, obviously quarterback, crucial uh, spot on the roster, and, and three three-year guys. You know, how, how good uh, between the three teams or among the three teams can football in this town be this year? Yeah, uh, football can be very good. Um, hopefully we get the whole community come out every single Friday night because there's always games at Thurlby. Uh, I love watching West and Central play too when we play on Saturdays or Thursdays. So um, 
Uh, I'd say Central and West kind of get screwed. They have to play each other in districts. <laughs> but um, but I'd say both both teams can make all three teams can make very deep runs. Um, strong leadership from at, at the quarterback position and uh, just great coaches all around. Does the does the uh, scrimmage that you guys are playing in mean a little bit extra because uh, you could actually face off with Tobin in that and that you play safety and he plays quarterback? A little bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, that'll be very fun because we don't always get to compete against those bigger schools and uh, uh, that's kind of our time to show that we can bring we can bring it too. We can, we put on the pads, lace up the cleats, just the same way you do. Who's somebody or maybe even a couple of players on on this year's St. Francis team that? maybe hasn't had their name you know, displayed publicly a whole lot to this point that, that you're expecting big things from this year? Uh, probably our whole offensive line. Uh, those guys are huge, and a lot of them are moving well. Um, Tommy Gallagher, Spencer Hathaway, Jonathan Beamer, uh, Henry Carroll, Tom Hegewald, and then uh, a couple guys at the defensive back, running back position, uh, Artie Dutmers, George Mackey, Evan McGee. Uh, Brandon Huggard, I don't want to leave anyone out, but <laughs> so but our whole team pretty much uh, will be will be pretty deep at uh, a lot of positions. So yeah, I mean you guys have what twenty some seniors, something like roster, that. Yeah, on the roster mm-hmm. this year, I mean that's a, a a pretty good amount. Yeah, I mean more than you had last year, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, um, is that something you think will really carry through to the to the regular season? I mean, and everybody during practice today was all about. You know, we got to get the little things right, mm-hmm. and the and the big things turn out all right. Right. Um, so, how much does that experience really come through? Yeah, we have uh, a bunch of seniors who are uh, three year guys. Um, a bunch of seniors, a bunch of seniors that'll be two year guys and played a ton of reps uh, junior year. Uh, we're all all the seniors are pretty close, and there's not one specific group. Um, we're all we're all just one. We're all one uh, one team. Uh, reaching for the same goal, so that should help a lot. Do you guys have? I mean, I know you said the uh, you know championship or bust. Mm-hmm. Is that the mantra of this team, or do you guys have something that's kind of driving you this year, or, or something specific like that? Um, not necessarily, but um, we all we all think that. Um, but just getting back to where we were last year and finishing. Um, ever since I've been up, we've come so close and. We're tired of saying so close, so close. We almost were, we were almost there. We want to get there and win the state championship. So, as long as you guys have been going through the St. Francis school system, GTAX, I mean, at what point do you remember thinking, "Man, I can't wait to play varsity football for St. Francis, and I can't wait to have the opportunity to win a state championship." I mean, how long has this been a goal for you guys? Uh, probably since first grade. I remember always getting in trouble playing tackle football on the playground. <laughs> um, and then just looking up to all the Bolas and uh, all those guys who went to the NFL and played collegiate football. So Interesting that you, uh, you mentioned the Bola family. Uh, Max is actually coaching linebackers for Central this mm-hmm. year. Uh, any thoughts on, on, on him helping the Trojans out? I know, you, you know we, like we discussed, you guys don't play, mm-hmm. but... No, I think that's great uh, to have him back back in Traverse City, helping out the youth. That's great. In the uh, the Millington game, I know mm-hmm. you didn't play in that game, but it was so bitterly cold. Did so? How you're just getting back from your injury? Does that bother your shoulder at all to be in a, to be sitting outside for three hours coming back from an injury like that when it's like I don't know it was single digits or something mm-hmm. like that, wasn't it? It was like really cold. Wind yeah. chills under zero. <laughs> mm-hmm. Each sideline had like six or eight of those huge propane heaters mm-hmm. and stuff and it was just ridiculous <laughs> how was that for coming back from an injury uh i knew i i knew i wasn't gonna play that game so i just threw on like eight long sleeve shirts and a couple t-shirts and then my jersey and a couple pairs of tights uh a couple pairs of socks hand warmers whole deal i was i was warm <laughs> so it didn't, didn't bother your shoulder though. No, no, we're feeling that. Mm-hmm. James, no, you should have t- you should have taken uh, dressing tips from Danny before that one, probably. <laughs> yeah, I probably I should have, but I had to like move around and run around <laughs> and take pictures and stuff. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I could barely move my arms, but with every guest, we like to do the wheelhouse, which is just five quick answer questions, kind of for fun. Who is a quarterback that you try to emulate when you're on the field? 
Uh, yeah, I'd say um, Tom Brady. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, so I like him. And then Aaron Rodgers, too. So kind of the top two guys in the NFL. They just do it, do it and they do it the right way. So, Any particular thing from each of those guys, or is it kind of just the whole deal? Just the whole deal. All right, well, you're a quarterback. We just had the uh, Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame inductions mm-hmm. over the weekend. So I'm going to give you... Well, I'm going to give you a couple of Hall of Famers and then a couple non but still very good NFL wide receivers, and you tell me who you m- would most want as your receiver. Mm-hmm. So we got Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Calvin Johnson, Terrell Owens, or Odell Beckham, who's the only one still playing. I'm going to have to go with Randy Moss. Because? He's Moss. He's Randy <laughs> Moss. <laughs> that's, a good yep. Yeah, that's, yep. a, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Now I know you can't. You probably don't want to give anything away. Mm-hmm. But what, what's your favorite type of trick play to run? Favorite type of trick play to run. Um, it would probably be something like a, a toss sweep out to the right, and then a reverse, and then a throwback to the quarterback. All right, lots mm-hmm. of action. Mm-hmm. Favorite pre or post game meal or snack. Uh. We always have uh, spaghetti dinner on Thursday nights, so that's my favorite. How much spaghetti can you eat in one of those dinners? Or are you trying not to eat too much since games the next day? No, they f- they fill our plates. We eat very well, so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what do you, if you're jamming out to music to you know get amped up for mm-hmm. a game, what do you what are you listening to? Uh, I don't listen to that much music, but um, the we usually keep it quiet in our locker room. We keep it silent. Uh, just focus focus at the task at hand. So, all right, mm-hmm. excellent, James. You got, got anything else before got, we let I him got, run? I got two more questions. I'm going to add to the wheelhouse. Oh wow, we're going seven questions going on today. All right. all right. Okay. Do your teammates or anybody ever give you grief as to how much you uh, sound and act like your dad? No, no, I haven't heard that one yet. But <laughs> no, 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 not from the teammates. Okay. And uh, who do you think get their name pronounced more or pronounced worse? Than last year by opposing radio mm-hmm. announcers, you or Joey Mizlakovich? Definitely Joey. <laughs> what mm-hmm. was what was the craziest uh, pronunciation that you heard for both of your names? Um, mine I haven't heard that bad. Um, probably just like passing alt with a alt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey's I've heard like Muzeljakovich and all that just terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That was one of my guilty pleasures all season yeah. last year was listening to the opposing radio people yep. slaughter Mislakovich. Yep. It's pretty bad. Because usually I had to sit next to the opposing radio person. Mm-hmm. So it was just, I would, like, tell them how to pronounce it, and they would still get it wrong. <laughs> they didn't re- learn how to write it phonetically. No. All right. Well, that concludes uh, our interview with Danny. We appreciate you coming in. Uh, good luck this season, and... Uh, you know, early practices here as you guys work your way to getting padded up next week. We appreciate it. Yep, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you to Traverse City St. Francis's Danny Passanoff for joining the Get Around podcast. He was the third Traverse City quarterback to join us uh, since the spring season ended. We started off with Traverse City West Sam DeKuyper. We had Central's Tobin Schwanicki last week, and now Mr. Passana and uh, three three-year returning starters for the TC schools at the quarterback position. Kind of a unique scenario. James, you ever seen that in your fifteen-plus years here? I I asked Josh Sellers that today at practice. I you know if if he thinks that there's ever been three three-year starters at the TC schools, and and of course West has only been around since '97, and he's like. He couldn't think of anybody else at St. Francis since the '80s, so that pretty much that pretty much shuts it, it down. It pretty, he said that he said, "Yeah, he's like, I never really thought about it, but yeah, I, th- I think that makes <laughs> this is the first time they've had three three-year quarterbacks at the same time at the DC schools." Yeah, that makes this season historic, and it's great too because it means we should be getting some pretty quality football from all three of these teams, which will make if no, nobody else the Traverse City community happy, and there will be a rocking place on Friday nights or Saturday afternoons, whichever mm-hmm. it happens to be, and we're excited oh, yeah. about it. Yeah, and there are only three TC teams this year 
because Grand Traverse Academy is not going to field a varsity football team this season. They're only going to have a junior varsity. Cue the um, breaking news alert for James <laughs> Cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I talked to the to coach Steve Strasco, and he said that they're gonna <clears throat> they're taking a break for this year to try to get the numbers up at the lower levels and and get the varsity program going. And that and that TC Christian is also withdrawn from the uh, from the co-op. I'm sure that has something to do with it. I don't know how many kids Christian was sending GTA's way, but even a couple at the eight man level makes a big difference. That brings us to the trifecta, the first legitimate trifecta that we've had in quite some time. Harris and I were in here, just the two of us. It's been just me and you. Yeah, me and Jake. So we're getting back to the good old ways. And obviously with the opening of football camp, you know, I just thought we could spark a little debate on you know, what, what is the bigger opening day, not necessarily at the high school level, but at the professional level, I mean, do you guys I don't look forward is. to pitchers and catchers reporting more than the Hall of Fame game, or what? You know, or is there? So we're looking there, at the first. Is there action. another sport? I mean, I I know that among NASCAR fans, to open with your Super Bowl of races, Daytona Five Hundred as the first event of the year, that's that's certainly a big one for them. What What do you guys? Well, we're talking about first action that the sports sees out of the year, not the actual opening day. Correct. So not not week one of NFL season or MLB opening day. First time we see action. Yeah. So when you know teams for the NFL teams reporting to training camp. So fun. did the last time you two times you did the podcast? Did you call it the bifecta? I didn't. I still referred to it as the trifecta <laughs> and just said except it's not. <laughs> except it's not. <clears throat> hmm. I guess I would still go uh, NFL. I mean, training camps, especially now, get so dissected, and media is just there the fans are there now more involvement even now than there used to be at training camps you know allowing fans to come in and watch practices and stuff uh it just seems that the nfl early part of the nfl training camps have just gotten more and more scrutiny as time has gone on um whereas it's kind of the same i think for a lot of the other sports as it used to be which you know was a lot but the nfl training camp just seems to have so many eyes on it now in the first day of otas and mini camps and first mandatory day of practice and all that is just it getting gotten bigger and bigger and bigger as time has gone on. Jake, you're a baseball guy, so and, yeah. and you're in your your Tigers gear today. Yes, on, I am. I mean, did you did you wear Tigers gear to football practice today? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I try not to show any uh, football bias when I go to a football <laughs> place or any baseball bias when I go to a baseball place. So I try to like switch up the sports. Wear Lions when I go to a baseball game. Wear Tigers when I go to a football game. You know, it's real nice. But anyways. I don't know if I would count pitchers and catchers as the first action of the season for baseball, um, just because it is only pitchers and catchers, and it's really okay, not spring training. Then. But one, yeah, once spring training starts, even though it never feels like it's very long after the season ends, you know, right November first or whatever, the baseball season ends, and then right in the middle of February, you're getting geared up for spring training. So it never feels very long, but I think. It's also the changing of the seasons, especially for us here in the north in Michigan. Once you get into spring training, it just kind of signals better days ahead, uh, sunny days out in the ballpark. And, I mean, I don't know if anybody, if you guys have ever had the pleasure of going down uh, for spring training in either Arizona, Florida. you know, Have not had the pleasure. League. I went down for my 13th birthday and got my, got my Yvonne Rodriguez catcher's mitt signed by Yvonne Rodriguez at spring training. My hero, my idol in baseball, by the way, number seven, always wore it. But anyways, that's a very fond memory. And every time that spring training rolls around, no matter how bad the teams are, no matter what names are there, what names aren't, I think it's just a sign of, of better things to come. And like you brought up football, I think that when OTAs and minicamp start in the end of June or whatever it is, it might be a little bit too early for football because that still gives you two and a half, three months just to work up for a game. Everybody tells you, oh, preseason doesn't matter, don't worry about it. But nobody will say that spring training doesn't matter. Because spring training definitely separates people. And I think it has a lot of value, especially bringing tourists down and having something to do when you go down to Florida in the middle of the winter when you're from Michigan or Wisconsin or Maine or something along those lines. Well, I would have thought maybe even a year or two ago that I would have went the football route here, but I think I'm going to toss an other into the ring. It's not so much around game action, uh, but I guess I, I love the start of football. I'm interested once training camp starts. I like to see 
the position battles that are going on, you know, who's going to get the playing time, what rookies are going to impress. Uh, and and that, that would have been my answer. Baseball for me, Jake, kind of similar to what you said, uh, except, you know, it's a, it's not that there's a short break between the end and the beginning of the season. It's that when baseball starts, there's still so long before the games are even important that I just can't quite get excited about baseball yet, you know, in the early spring months. But so I think the other that I'm going to toss into the ring here <laughs> is at least the last couple of years, I feel like with the NBA draft and free agency, that feels like the start of basketball season. And I've been so excited for basketball to get here, even though it's, you know, another two months after the start of football, really, before it gets started. And free agency rolling around and how much turnover that there is in the league just makes looking forward to those first games so exciting because everybody wants to see uh, what are the new look Cavs look like? What do the new look Lakers look like? What do the new look, I don't know, a million guys change yeah. teams. I could list just about every team now and, and have that fit the category. So while that's not really training camp, but you've got you've got the summer league, which has actually gotten more and more interesting. It's starting to be... Still doesn't mean anything. No, but you get, you get to see the young guys. You know, like with football, the preseason is great, but you, you want to see the young guys play, but everybody that you know how good they are, you don't want them... You don't want to see them at all. No. You're like, no, put them on the bench. I don't want to see any of those 12 players over there touch the field until September 1st. Yeah. With basketball, because it's the summer league and you just have the young guys, you know, you still don't know about them. You want to learn about them. You want to watch that. Or at least I do. I didn't watch it as much as I would have hoped to this summer, but it just feels like the NBA has really created an incredible blend uh, of its offseason into the beginning of its regular season, and, and that's what I'm going to go with. I also think that has to do with the fact that they're the star power in the NBA and how, I guess, how tight-knit or how, how there's only five guys, you know, five stars in every team, really, and really only gives you maybe about 100 people to choose from um, in total. So I think that's the thing is that it's a really good hype train for the NBA is that when they have big names moving around, a lot of turnover. But, you know, when free agent signings happen in the NFL or in the MLB, you know, some of these clubs are 50 guys deep, and you know, two, three levels. So it's not as exciting. Well, not to mention most of the most of the best guys don't move until they're past their prime anyway. Exactly. You know, exactly. Rarely does the does the top-tier star get away after his rookie contract mm-hmm. or something like that. So that uh, definitely halts movement a little bit. Yeah, it shakes things up in the NBA. But that's, that's definitely a thing is I think that, like you said, when everything gets moving, it, it's easier for people to keep track of. And it's easier for people to really wonder about because it is only the five guys. You said new, new look Lakers. We know who the five starting guys in the Lakers are, but I could not name you everybody who's starting for the Lions this season. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a little bit of a difference. Why not? <laughs> James could. Everybody? Let's hear it, James. Come on. Everybody? Left tackle, left guard. So come on. If, if I sat come down on. and thought about it, I probably okay, well, Let me put it this way. I watched the Tigers yesterday, and there was three guys I've never seen their name before. Well, yeah, it's the complete rebuild, so yeah. No, but I mean, like, I've watched the Tigers all season, and I still just saw guys I've never seen before. Uh, Mark Gerber, have you heard of him? Who? No. The baby food guy? Yeah, Mark Gerber or Mike Gerber, one of the two. I don't know, he played for the Tigers the other day, and I said, who is this guy? Maybe they just, maybe it was a fan promotion, and Dude, they I just wish. brought him down out of the stands. I'd be ready hey, to go. Hey, we suck, we need a right fielder today. I'd be who ready to go. wants to come on down? It's a Sunday game afternoon. We're just giving people the day off. Bring some, bring, bring the family down to the field. Maybe you can come in the game. Just make sure you bring your mitt. You must sign a waiver and be 21 years or older to play. And you will not be paid. You wouldn't have to pay me to go play in a professional baseball game. Just one. You don't got to pay me. They might not even hit it to you in right field. You might, have, you might just have to stand there. I would, honestly, I would still <laughs> prefer to be a catcher even in the major leagues. I'd have to run, man. I'd rather take balls to the face and the chest than have to run around right field. Fair enough. E- even the 200-foot sprint out to your position is too much for me, my man. <laughs> you get up there and face a, a Roldis Chapman 103-mile-an-hour fastball? I've had, I've, had, I've had 90-plus hit me in the chest. I've had a curveball come down around 88, 89 and chop up underneath my cup. 
I was no, not. I'm not talking about his catcher. Oh, I mean, no. as a hitter. Oh, as a hitter? Oh, no. That's what we were talking Me and my buddy were talking Taking about. Taking a Chapman face fastball to the bean? You couldn't. You honestly, I don't think you could pay me to stand up in front of a couple of those guys just because, one, of the pure embarrassment, and, two, because of the pure fear that could come from it. It's not, I you know. Mean, you'd be bailing out of the box on a slider I that wouldn't. wound up three feet on the other side of the batter's box. That's the only thing is I feel like <laughs> if, I, if I did go up against a professional pitcher, I would never bail out because... I would assume that they're good enough not to hit me on the one at bat that I was going on. Be like, unless they're trying to beat me because they don't like the way I look or something. They brought this guy in off the street to face yes, me. Yeah, I'm gonna drill him. Yeah, his head's gone. He's like, oh, thank you, thank you, God. This conversation has devolved a bit. It has gone off the rails beyond its original intention. But hey, what is a good podcast for other than to completely lose track of time and talk about things that have no relevance to the rest of the podcast? And have some fun. That's right. We had fun today. We got up early, too went early. to practices. Too early. I repeat, too early. You were still excited about it. Oh, I was, though. I, I got up and I went straight to football. We're practice. glad football's here. We're glad fall sports are here. As I said, the rest begin on Wednesday. This has been The Get Around, episode 45. We look forward to your return for episode 46 next week. Thanks, and have a good night. Or day. Or whenever you listen to this podcast. Or good lunch. <laughs> <laughs>